Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today on Marvel Movie News, we check in with some news on New Mutants, Black Widow, some Endgame, get some Blu-ray, beautiful. But most of all, we are going to tackle the topic, what is the most rewatchable film in the MCU? Get heated, because this debate's gonna get fiery today on Marvel Movie News. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Marvel Movie News. Oh, good afternoon to you, our merry Marvelites, and welcome back to Marvel Movie News. I'm really excited to get into today's episode. This is going to be a fun one. We got some fun, interesting topics. Not a ton of news, which is why we're going to have some fun. Uh, but like it's the calm before the storm, you guys. I know because the D twenty three. This well, the the D twenty three is coming up, and the end of the year is like we'll get some cool TV shows coming up. But then the ne- it's the next two years where it's going to be like, oh, you thought it was slow? Did we hear you guys say it was slow? Marvel movie news day, and then it's like boom, movie, boom, TV show, boom, movie, boom, animated show, movie, TV show, animated show. Ah! Anyway. So someone's excited for that. Welcome to the show. We are coming to you live from the battlefield at Avengers HQ, because I can't stop watching that sequence in Avengers Endgame. Nice. Um, (laughs) uh, I hope you guys all picked up your Blu-ray, whether you've watched it or not, whether you've watched it and the commentary and all the special features. We're going to talk a little bit about that Blu-ray today as well as all the stuff. And we're going to get into, after we do some movie news, what is the most rewatchable MCU movie of all time? I'm Zach Wilson. Zia Anderson's here. Hello, hello. Christian Blatt's right next to her. I sure am. So I picked up the Blu-ray on Tuesday when it came out. You guys are still waiting for yours to show up, right? I get mine either today or tomorrow. Nice. In the mail. Christian, you, I know get, you're an old school physical media I, guy I like me. I will be getting physical media. And uh, just it, it's basically going to be when do I have the time to watch all of it? I'm going to buy it that day. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. I don't think you'll really struggle to find it in stores. Yeah, exactly. Unless you were to maybe go to 7-Eleven after midnight for some reason. <laughs> but other than that, you'll probably find it. It's a little inside joke. Ryan um, in the booth drove around looking at 7-Eleven for us. So I got to chance to dig through the blu-ray a lot of it's pretty much the same as what you'll get on the digital like that's the cool thing now is if you do buy it digitally you're getting if, the same if not more special features than you get on the physical disc but you get you don't have to rely on internet connection when you have physical media exactly uh, however <laughs> i did want to do a quick psa for anybody like who's like me and went out and bought the 4k ultra hd version of the disc and then popped the blu-ray in because a lot of like game systems don't have or 4K Blu-ray yet. If you turn, pick this up and then you put in the, you popped in the Blu-ray and you're like, where are all the special features? Yeah, this is what I spent a lot of Tuesday night doing <laughs> is like flipping through menus, being like, the special features aren't here. Is there like a secret access code? Do I have to go back in time and find like a bunch of Infinity Stones to unlock the special feature? What's going on? 
open it up, in, and then you see two discs. You see the Blu-ray, and you see the 4K. The 4K one does not have the special features on it. You're wondering, where the hell are our features? Pop out the 4K disc, and it's hiding underneath on oh, a second Blu-ray. That's sneaky. It's sneaky, and they sneaky. don't tell you anywhere that it's going to happen. It took me a little while to figure it out. So save yourself some embarrassing time. Well, you did time. it so we don't have to. Yeah, I, exactly. we know. Yeah. I embarrass myself so you don't have to, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but yeah, uh, I enjoyed all the deleted scenes. And you guys talked about them while I was away. Um, I haven't del- gotten to actually watch them yet. The deleted scenes are fun. Uh, one complaint that I have about this, this disc is that they clearly have not given us everything on Endgame. Oh, um, excuse me. The the Hulk scene that was with the uh, second release, yeah. is oh, yeah. not on this disc. What? That oh, the scene yeah, with yeah. Hulk and uh, like saving the day, like smart, uh, it's not on here. And I'm not sure why. Not that that was like an amazing scene or anything. Going back to the theaters for it, I was like, all right, cool. But, but like, you get Reginald Val Johnson. Yeah, like, I mean, you, yeah. you get a nice little diehard. It's just surprising that they would put something in theaters that yeah. they didn't put, and they didn't sell that as a point. Like, this isn't going to be on the Blu-ray. Now I feel like I got. I think you can find it on YouTube. Like they they posted on YouTube, so it is available. But it was a strange call to put something in theaters and not put it on the Blu-ray. So what's coming out in the future that'll have? Everything on a it. giant a infinity yeah. gauntlet mm-hmm. with twenty three movies in it. Exactly. <laughs> the only reason I think that we may actually never get that is that uh, I think they it's probably too complicated with Sony. Yeah, um, that's why you've never you have not gotten any announcements of a Phase Three box set the way that you had the briefcase from Phase One and the orb uh, from Phase Two, where you had like the entire phase in one two hundred fifty dollar collection. And with a cool little physical tesseract in it, uh, I don't think you're. I, we may never get that for Phase Three because Sony. What am I here for? This is one of those movie. <laughs> it, this movie distribution things is Sony is going to have their own distribution arm, and Disney has their own distribution arm, and they would have to make a deal between the two of them for percentages and everything if they were to package those movies together. It's com- it's a complicated thing to do. They can figure it out. They all have crazy lawyers they pay stupid money to. Let's come on, guys. Get it together. It, it may just be enough that it it, it changes the setup. Ah, oh, blah. But please, work it out. I want my giant infinity gauntlet full of DVDs. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, He's willing to give you the money. <laughs> Let him. The exactly. $800 that yeah. it will cost. And you guys can split it. 3070 or however you want to do it. Figure it out. <laughs> Cheese. Uh, well, let's do the math here. If, you, if the average Blu-ray right now, those cost $29 mm-hmm. for Marvel Blu-rays, or mm-hmm. $25 for the Blu-rays, $29 for the... So let's say $25 for the sake of argument, times $23. You're looking at minimum $575. And that's without the cool gauntlet case. Yeah. Yeah, and Which so I just, you're you're, I want it just for that. you're talking about probably six seven hundred dollars, if not eight hundred dollars for that box set. I'll do it. I still want I'm it. Start saving now. You know yeah. I want it, Disney. I know Chat wants it. You guys tell us if you would buy it. Would you spend eight hundred dollars on an Infinity Gauntlet complete Infinity Saga set filled with movies you already owned? By the filled way, with, yes. Yeah. For, so that's the important part of the question, you know, because if you're waiting for that, then you know, good for you with that level of restraint. But uh, let us know in the chat, and uh, yeah, I will let you know when anybody responds. But speaking of Disney and movies and distribution complications, Uh-oh. let's talk a little bit about New Mutants. 
Oh, New Mutants. Uh, so the news this week, uh, there's more like rumors and leaks about New Mutants, and uh, apparently Disney is not liking what they're seeing from New Mutants. Shocker, based on everything we've heard so far. <laughs> but I'm curious, does that have to do with the fact that it's taking more of a horror stance? It's a horror movie, basically. Um, and if they don't like that aspect of it, or is it just they're like, this is just a terrible movie, the reshoots are not going well. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're doing now, is reshoots. I don't know if reshoots have started yet. Mm. Uh, well, then you can't say anything. But they're closed. They well, they, knew it was but bad. They, but they don't like what they've seen of it now. Now they own it, they can watch it, they can, like, they see the drafts of for the reshoots, stuff like that, and that that's the, it's all rumor too. This could all right. be wrong. Uh, to be to be fair, it's just the internet. Somebody leaked this out on the internet, right? I mean, if you were thinking of doing like, all right, so what we're told is that it needs twenty minutes worth of reshoots, and then you see the movie and you go like, no, it needs like an hour and fifteen minutes this, worth of reshoots. Well, it's like, is it a page one rewrite? Right, Are yeah. they that unhappy with it? Um, as far as horror, I don't think that's gonna they're gonna balk at that as long as it's not overly violent horror. Yeah. Like, and I don't think it ever was. I don't think right. it was ever gonna be Saw. It was right. more tonal. Yeah, I mean they're, they they said Creepy. they're doing a horror movie. They've called Doctor Strange to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So Disney's open to horror in with their movies, and even with Marvel movies. So I don't know that they're balking at that, but. Whatever it is, they're not happy, and it's, of course, continuing the doubt of, will we ever see this movie? Uh, Do you guys think that this movie will ever see the big screen? I hope so. I would I would like that, but I guess that depends on whether or not that they think it has enough potential to want to put all that money and and work into basically redoing it. If they don't like it that much, again, it's all rumors. Um, but I would like to see it personally. I would like to see it on the big screen. Um, so I hope so. I think that we will see it one way or the other. If they do no more reshoots because they feel like it's a lost cause, it'll turn up somewhere. Whether they, whether it's you know Hulu or they actually like shop it around and try to sell it to somebody, I think that you'll see it somewhere. And in terms of the big screen, maybe they do it for streaming, but they do one of those like one night event sort of uh, screenings where you can what only see it on that one night. You know, I think that that might be a, a business model to work around, but. Again, it is just rumors, and maybe they know exactly how to make it at least better, you know? I mean, I liked Dark Phoenix, and I know a lot of people didn't, but they put that out, didn't they? It was a little too it's too true. far along to not put out. You, but. you can't but again, not it's also put out Disney. a finished movie with an established release date. Like you've and, already well, with booked that cast the theaters. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, with uh, with New Mutants, they moved it several times. It never got as close as it was yeah. by the time the merger happened. As Dark was. Phoenix was probably finished or almost finished yeah. by the time it got to Disney into Disney's yeah. hands. No, New think- Mutants is like actively needing to do reshoots, extensive reshoots from everything we've heard. Yeah. So, as we said, it's about the same conversation we keep having. I expect we'll see it on Hulu someday in whatever form it takes. I don't I I still don't think we're going to get it in theaters. Uh David Tapia in the chat it says Disney doesn't want to lose more money after Dark Phoenix so they will not spend for more reshoots. And I think look, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. Like we're saying, if it's going to cost too much, they'll be like no, just dump it on Hulu, forget it. You know, let's not even try. But, you know, I mean, like, they have it in March, and that, that is not a particularly competitive time. I don't know what's supposed to come out that weekend at this point, but you got to figure it at least has a chance if it's if it's decent. And, you know, maybe you even play up the horror, you know? Maybe that's what you do in reshoots, is that you make it not like Saw or Hostel or one of those things, but you kind of play up the suspense aspect for it, and then maybe people who don't even care about superhero movies want to see it. You know, maybe you target that audience. 
Yeah. Um, there's a big audience there. What is it? I think it's due for April now, just to be clear. I so think it was it's April third, twenty twenty. It was supposed to be this month. Yeah. <laughs> we, it's oh, supposed, it was supposed to have come out. Also, before that, it was supposed to have come out in February. Yes. Yeah. It was February, so, and then it was yeah. August. The, like right now, and then it was, and now it now it's April third, twenty twenty is the current date. That uh, is set. It's not that long for the release. Yeah, uh, we'll really see. Isn't. We'll see what happens. Um, maybe they're further along if it's done. We'll see. We don't really know for sure. Anyway, moving on from this topic, we could just talk in circles about New Mutants, and we're never gonna know. Uh, but let's portal over to back to Endgame uh, because th- and I thought this was an interesting story. I know Christian, you had you said you were your you had some opinions on this. Uh, Dan oh, yeah. Slott uh, commented this week after rewatching the Endgame once it got to the home release. Dan Slott, if you're not familiar with him, was the head writer of The Amazing Spider-Man for, I want to say, 300 Four- issues? Yeah, it's like 14 years or something. It's, Some extreme amount of time. He only left the book recently at issue 800. Right. Um, he w- He's responsible for the Superior Spider-Man run right. where Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body, which is one of like my favorite runs. It was just, I thought it was a fascinating twist. They did that in the cartoons. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, that, mm-hmm. actually that's currently the current. Yeah, the that's current, where they ended the it. The current cliffhanger <laughs> for Disney Spider-Man, it. which what? has yes. been doing yes. superior. Yeah, it's been uh, off the air for like a year, but when it comes back, they're going to pick up that story. Yeah, yeah he's I, a con- Dan Slott's a consultant on that, and I think that that helps the uh, tone. Dan Slott uh, also for, for he's responsible for Spider Verse as a right. thing. Like he came up with the original Spider Verse concept, right? Uh, or at least he's he wrote the original version of it, and so like he's that's. His baby is Spider-Verse. Uh, but what he said this week is that he he loves Endgame, but he doesn't like one moment in it, and it's the instant kill moment where Peter is in the in the midst of the battle trying to run with the with the the iron gauntlet mm-hmm. he's got his suit on and he is going to get he's going to get pummeled by all the war dogs and he activates instant kill mode to kill all of the yeah. the, the beasts the soldiers uh, around him and he doesn't think that Peter Parker would do that because Peter Parker doesn't kill yeah, but he's not usually in a situation where he has to kill. What do you want to do? Joke his way out of it? Yeah, have some quips? Yeah, that's a that's you know? a bit rough considering I, that they're like literal beasts it's, attacking it's him. It's an interesting debate. It, like I, I went through some of the comments on this tweet that he put yeah. out, and it gets really interesting. Where it, it is sort of a question of look, where do you draw that line? Like the the war dogs are. Theoretically mindless, but mm-hmm. Peter Parker uh, also didn't want to kill the literal mindless ones. Like it when he fought them in the comics. So like, like I just thought it was funny when you call them mindless. Because, and somebody pointed out, yeah, he literally defends mindless ones uh, <laughs> in the comics. But uh, it's an interesting debate topic. I I feel like at that point you kind of have to like realistically, it's his only way out. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Um, I guess what Dan Slott is saying is is more like maybe it made sense in that moment, but he would have felt worse afterwards. Like we didn't see any of the reaction to that in Far From Home. Now that's valid. I think seeing him be like, yeah, I can't believe I killed that many whatever, that many beasts or whatever. I think that that is a valid point. That is very consistent with Peter Parker. If he felt bad, no matter how much somebody deserved it. 
you know? I mean, the uh, you know, Norman Osborn was trying to kill him, and Spidey jumps out of the way, and 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 uh, the Green Goblin's glider flies right into him, and he still feels bad about that. You know, because it's like, oh, if only I hadn't jumped out of the way, I would have gotten killed. So he always has remorse. So I could see, but I also, there certainly was no time for that in Endgame. And as we've seen the headlines, I think, that the the screenwriters for Far From Home didn't get a chance to read the script for Endgame ahead of that. So... That might be a little bit of a That's disconnect. a fair point. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Uh, they wouldn't have known about that moment, yeah. necessarily. And also, I think maybe he's more uh, sidetracked by the fact that uh, Tony just died and that he's got all this other stuff going on. So maybe he would have felt it, but it would have been, I don't know, less amplified because of everything else that was happening. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be more egregious if he'd killed any kind of humanoid person. Yes, that might know, have been even, different. You know, an alien, anything like that. But uh, it, it's a valid point. But, you know, I, we could we could debate some of the questionable uh, decisions Dan Slott made in those 300 issues. But, you know, this isn't really the show for that. <laughs> uh, it is absolutely the show for that, but we don't have time today. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, but you might see that as an upcoming topic. This isn't the episode for that, yeah. we should say. Um, but let's, let's move forward. Uh, some other cool news uh, on the podcast front. Uh, you guys know I'm a big fan of the Wolverine sure. mm-hmm. uh, ongoing podcast. I'm waiting to binge season two because uh, I really enjoyed listening to it as one complete drama as opposed to weekly. Uh, uh, but they just announced the next podcast that's going to come out from Stitcher and Marvel, and it's going to be an adaptation of the Marvel's storyline, uh, which is the photographer angle looking at a big battle above New York, but it's the it's the little human side of the story. Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, it's it's a very beautiful comic. I recommend checking it out. You can see you can read it all kinds of different places. It's in print pretty much. If you go to Barnes and Noble, you can find it. Uh, by the way, buy two get one free on graphic novels at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> not, hey. not an ad, just a heads up. That's that's a public service as well. Um, so this is so what the storyline is going to follow is going to follow a photographer uh, from uh, uh, named. I put this name down because I was going to forget it. Where did I put the name? Where did I put it? I didn't put it in a convenient enough place. (laughs) Uh, But it's going to follow a press photographer following uh, the events after Galactus attacks. Okay. So it's like a from-the-ground look at uh, the drama uh, from Big Superhero about. Is it Phil Sheldon? Yes, it is. Thank you for that. Ryan, the number one Phil Sheldon fan in the world, so thank you. He immediately knew. Um, But it's going to have a a really interesting cast as well. Method Man is going to be voicing in this. Nice. That's great. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Uh, that uh, Ethan Peck from Star Trek Discovery. Oh, he's he's Spock in season two of Discovery. He was great. I, I don't know what else he's ever done, but uh, he was fantastic. I was going to say Star Trek. I just immediately look at you. Well, yeah, for the I'll, t- I'll tell you yeah. whether or not it's good. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I don't know uh, well, who he is. Uh, so Method Man. Here's here's the funny. He is going to be playing Ben Urich. Oh, I oh, love Ben Urich. Yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, that is the most disappointing thing about the Netflix universe that they decided that to kill Ben Yurick so early. Yeah, so early too. You know. Yeah. But anyway, he was great. so that's great. Uh, Ethan Peck is going to be playing Mr. Fantastic. Oh, that's good casting. Uh, amongst a bunch of other people, um, and it, it, this is going to be a cool little cool story. Uh, we'll see. Well, I look forward to it's going it's to have Peter Parker. It's going to have the, all the Fantastic Four because Galactus. You have, yeah. to, you have to do that. So uh, look forward to that coming yeah. soon. 
Yeah, so if you've ever wanted a collaboration between Method Man and Spock, you're going to get it. So it's going to be a good day. Um, I think we should get into our big topic for the show. Can I uh, actually get one question from the Please few do. comments from the chat? So, Zeno, back to what we were talking about before this, talking about Dan Slott's comments about the instant kill. One, this is, these are both from Zeno Hour. One, Peter Parker doesn't exist. Two, people need to lighten up on this, quote, no superhero should kill mantra, especially in live action movies. And on the same note, uh, I want to make sure I don't lose it. Thunder God, Cairo 770. You can't compare empathy for a human to that of a bloodthirsty alien drone. I saw that. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that in general sh- superheroes shouldn't kill, but I think there are certainly exceptions where sometimes there's there's no there's no alternative, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think w- we agreed that the idea would be the impact it had on Peter that he once he did it. Yeah. So. Um, and even if it, even it wasn't something he, he could decide, like, I understand why I had to do it. I can move forward with my life. But I feel like that's a thing he brings up in therapy. <laughs> He's like, I killed all those dogs. <laughs> also, they're dogs, you guys. Also, Even if they're bloodthirsty. Also from in other countries, they eat dogs. Also from Xeno Hour, he puts whispers, Iron Man killed people in Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 3. Yeah, but Iron Man doesn't have that same yeah. mantra that Peter it's, Parker has. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Peter Parker is very much built around that. Yeah. It's a... Th- part of his character. Most of these heroes don't like, don't, don't try to kill other people. Yeah. They try to avoid it when possible. But they're more willing to when it comes down to it. It is an ongoing thing for Peter Parker that he is very resistant to anything that would lead to a sentient being's death. Um, it's, a, it's a point of pride for the character. And Correct. that's why this debate comes up. It's it's similar with Batman. You have that same debate and like it, you can debate endlessly about the real the realism of that for somebody who's fighting deadly deadly crime and that's a big part especially in the Batman storyline. But it and it becomes a thing for Peter. It, it's also a thing Dan Slott goes into significantly in Superior Spider-Man <laughs> when Doc Ock and Peter Parker is like, "Well, no, I we're going to finish this cuz it's going to be more effective." Uh, it's a, it becomes a debate. Anyway, I think we let's move transition move transition change the topic believe me <laughs> into uh our big question for today what is the most rewatchable MCU film Now this is going to be obviously very personal very opinionated but I want you guys in the chat to get in on this discussion because there's no one right answer except mine <laughs> This <laughs> And remember, these are MCU movies, so all of you who want to say fan-fortastic, I'm sorry, it's not appropriate. You're not able to say that. It has to be an MCU movie. <laughs> that Maybe that one is, just not yet. No. It's <laughs> never going to be. Um, no. Um, so... I wanted to just po- I wanted to pose this question because obviously we're we're all rewatching Endgame soon. Like you guys at home, like I already rewatched this week. I enjoyed watching it again. I now I can watch it as many times as I want from the comfort of my couch yes. or my bed, just like sitting in bed, just like yeah, we can rewatch that entire battle scene, go back. So Zia, I want to yes. start with you. Uh, what do you think is the are so, like give me give me like a, a couple of your choices? What do you think are the most rewatchable MCU films? And we're gonna each give around, and then we're gonna start to dial it in. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, immediately what came to mind for me was Civil War and Winter Soldier. I can go back and watch those anytime because to me they're just my favorites by far. Um, those so, are also both popping up in the chat by a bunch of people because already. they're just yeah. so good. I can just easily go back and watch those. Um. And then Zach, I know that this was one of yours, but it's. 
No, please. Ragnarok. Ragnarok is up there. It was so good. Well, Christian, what do you think? Uh, I I know for me, it's a little bit of an outlier, is First Avenger because it's my favorite MCU movie just because I, to me it's just it, it's it's the one that I think I don't sit there and like try and pick it apart in any way and I love uh, well I love most of them I almost said I love all of them I love most of these movies but that is just it's it's just it's fun because it's a it's a war movie and then it also has the superhero element and it's just fun and it's funny and just you know, from his origin all the way through to the end of, you know, oh, sorry, not going to make that dance. Come on. It's uh, got a tragic ending. And uh, so that one is way up there for me. But I would say the probably the most, I'll think about it, is uh, definitely going to be Guardians because I, I still laugh. Volume one, I still laugh the most when I watch that. That's the most fun ride for me is Guardians volume one. For me, that's that's why Thor Ragnarok is my yeah. most rewatchable. It's the one that, like, whenever I, like, just want to put something on, like, not like Thor Ragnarok is like the, the one I, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, perfect, go. Yeah. Because uh, it's so, it's fun, it's got adventure, it has emotion, like it has all of the things that make a great Marvel movie the right in there. The music, Zach? The music's great. Yes. Um, but, and well, you, then, then that makes a point for Guardians 1, I'm just going to say. If you're going to call true. out the music. No, 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 absolutely <laughs> but agree. they have that but, in common, both but they of those. Both, and like, they, like uh, Thor Ragnarok, you also get crossover fun, because you get yeah. Hulk in there, That's so you true. get that like multiple worlds yeah. ca- like, kind we of thing. You get to meet Valkyrie. You get to yeah. meet Valkyrie. love her character. Um, the like the one thing that you don't really get in there much you don't re- you don't really get romance. No, you guys know I'm a big softy. No time, <laughs> Sorry, no time for romance. <laughs> um, for me, that's why a lot of time. So uh, no one is surprised by this, but Ant Man and the Wasp is up there for me in terms of rewatch. So that's very personal because I just love those characters <laughs> and seeing Wasp take form and seeing the yeah. the, the duo and that because that's always been the thing for me with those characters. It's the duo. It's the it's the couple as a team who's going to fight crime with a really cool power set. Together, like fighting together, is so why cute, I like. Zach. That's why I love those characters, <laughs> uh, which is like why it becomes really hard to, to talk about the original ones uh, because the. Whew. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp, the movie, you get two pairs of Ant Man and true. the Wasps, uh, and so and that one, it's fun, it's funny. Uh, so for the comedy aspect for both of those makes them rewatchable. I find it harder to rewatch the more dramatic ones. Because they they're so good, you can just rewatch them. Like I've rewatched Black Panther a ton of times because it's just it's fun, yeah. it's great to watch, and it has that like engaging drama. But you can't just like put it on as casually, right? You have to be in the mood and for that kind of movie and yeah. kind of emotionally ready for it. It sounds kind of weird, but I totally get it. Like when you yeah. don't want to think or focus or like really hone in on a movie, if you just kind of want to casually sit back and enjoy something, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. like watch, re-watching Infinity War before going to see Endgame was great and I was like, oh yeah, there's all, all this stuff I like. It, it's not the it's not my go-to. Endgame, the length alone is a reason to not you know rewatch it so often. But I think that, uh, yeah, those ones are a little too heavy. I really like the first Ant-Man because as much as I like Ant-Man and the Wasp, it's all like, hey, remember this stuff? Here it is again. Hey, look, remember that? We're going to do it. Oh, now there's two of them. So I think there, it was just too familiar, but I did like it. And when I rewatched it, because my wife actually never saw it in the theater, so when we rewatched it before Endgame, I was like, oh, I do really like this. But I still I still like the uh, OG Ant-Man a little bit more. See, I just think for, for me it's that because uh, you, you get a much stronger villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. So, like, because Ghost 
is yes, she's a, a tragic villain where sure. you you want to side with her towards the end, but uh, you she like that that was the biggest flaw in the original Ant Man is yeah. that they what they did with Darren Cross I think fell short. Uh, in a big way, it was it fell into a big trap that that like people have accused a lot of Marvel movies of having with with villains that are dull and and don't and that's where I felt more one dimensional. Yeah, yeah um, Yellow Jacket for me was just like not enough. For, they didn't do enough with him. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like kind of flat, kind of one note. Uh, didn't have enough justification for why he turned. Uh, so that's why Ant uh, Man just like every every time I watch, I can't. Get away from that thought, right. so I can't rewatch. And it hey, as much. Ant-Man and the Wasp also has Lawrence Fishburne as Goliath, although we don't see him in action. Yes. you know, but we know that he's you know. So like, it's like, where's that movie? I want to see that. I <laughs> want to see de-aged Michael way. Douglas, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne, and Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, you know, in action. Oh man, we can go back to that the lab in and from Endgame right, exactly. with that giant chrome helmet. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what else gets up there on my list is the original Iron. Iron Man. I was actually gonna. Yep, that's. I agree. I can go back and rewatch that anytime. It was the first one. It was well. It's not just the first one because a lot of times the first one in a series is like, yeah, thank you for setting up what was later great. But like, (laughs) think about how many pilots for TV shows. Like, I love Parks and Rec, but when I rewatch that show, a lot of times I just skip past season one because it's just like it's a slog. Totally get it. Um, But Iron Man is just a great movie it, it's again it's got a lot of that humor it's got that drama it's got that romance angle it's it's setting it's got up robert downey jr it's just fun the 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 graphics good like i think obadiah stain while maybe not like the greatest villain of all time is a solid like foe for him to go for Especially tony stark for to go up against movie it made the most sense mm-hmm. uh i i do like that movie but it has one fundamental problem that is my fundamental problem, and I know it's not an MCU movie with the first X-Men movie. They just didn't spend enough money on it. And there's times where I feel like, oh, just imagine if uh, they you know, kicked a little bit more money at this, what this sequence or that would look like. It's way more apparent in the original X-Men. But there are a few moments in Iron Man that I was like, oh, can't they get uh, George Lucas to go back in and uh, redo the effects like he did with Star Wars and some of this stuff? But uh, I, I, the characters are all great, and setting him up as Iron Man and, and really building the whole world, it does do a great job. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a little tough. Yeah, I do want to shout out to, to Jen James, who uh, disagrees necessarily on Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she says that uh, the, Ant-Man, it, rather, Ant-Man and the Wasp is a second-tier MCU film. Hmm. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with that right. statement. Like, as far as, like, top first-tier movies, like, for me, the top-tier MCU movies are, like, Black Panther, Winter Soldier, and not in any order, but, like, yeah. Endgame, mm-hmm. uh, Guardians 1, I think, actually makes it into there. But in terms of just rewatch, like, what am I going to pop in first? Like, what is the most, like, the one that I will probably have the most view counts if you could go back and look? Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, for me, is more up there. Well, one that we haven't thrown out yet, and it is an MCU movie, is Spider-Man Homecoming, because it is oh, a Spider-Man movie that I love Spidey so much, and I think that they really nail him so well in that. But 
you know, Michael Douglas, uh, Michael Douglas, Michael Keaton is so great in that movie that I would just watch the scene of him driving them to the to the formal. I was just like, I could just watch that scene. I have just watched that scene because I was trying to remember something specific that he said in it once for something I was writing. And I, I just, uh, I think that that's that might not be in my top three, but that's like. That's I'll tell you that's the most rewatchable Spider-Man movie that they've made for me and I know that they're not all MCU movies but still I mean that's the one that I think is the most fun to watch. Uh obviously I would like to see Far From Home again but I can't watch it at home right now. Not so. yet, but you, soon. Yeah, I mean look, it's got to come home. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's like a sub conversation happening uh, in the chat. People are doing rewatchable versus uh, once one time was enough. Ooh. So Jenna well, James did a two punch uh, here. Guardians uh, one is a rewatch. Once was enough. Guardians Volume Two. So they beat me to my. You beat me to my transition because okay. I wanted Actually, to go great. into what do you guys think is the least rewatchable movies, and not necessarily the ones that you dislike the most, but the ones that are like. You're like, I don't need to necessarily see that again or see it constantly. Like, I, like once I, every, like, five years is fine. Oh. Well, I don't know about every five years, but it's good. Endgame is really high up on that list. Yeah. To watch as an entire film, the three hour and two minutes is like, am I going to throw that on at 1030 at night while I'm, like, trying to do stuff to have it in the background? I don't know about the rest of you, but I am not. No, and for me, it's, um, I think probably a lot of people are already going to know this answer, but Captain Marvel, just for the simple fact that I didn't, I am going to watch it one more time, just to see, just to sort of give it another chance. sit back, enjoy it. It's so much fun. I liked it more when I rewatched it as a... Uh, like a home release, right? I, I so I'm I am gonna do it, but however, for that will probably be the only time that I rewatch it, just because I'm trying to give it another chance because I didn't enjoy it the first time. So for me, I think watching it again, I don't know if I would enjoy it. So I probably wouldn't if it wasn't literally just me trying to give it a chance. That and then Iron Man three. There's a lot of people. It's, a lot of people are, uh, you know, disparaging Iron Man three. Iron Man three is once and enough. Iron Man three was good. I I think it was good. It, it is lower down for me than some others, but I think it is it is a little bit like less. You don't need to rewatch it. It that was a much. bit of a meandering movie for yeah, me. It's a little slower Slo- than yeah. the other ones. Um, I would put. Guardians Volume Two down there it's, on that list. Yeah. Like I, I, I just. The, the but I'll tell you, I haven't seen it in a while, and I kind of after watching Endgame, I kind of wanted to see it again. I just haven't had the time. I, I, I'm interested in seeing it at least one more time right now because it's, it's. I saw it in the theater, and I haven't seen it since. So what I would really love to do is start from the beginning and rewatch them all. Yes, because every that. time we talk about these movies, I'm like, oh man, it's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, it's been a long time since. Like I, I want to just go Look, back for a rewatch. I'll, you I'll even you mean. Deal. What I've done twice yeah. in the last two yeah. years because I did how? it for prepping for Infinity War and I did it prepping for Endgame. How do you? Where do you? Get I'll this even time? watch the Angley Hulk for the first time. You know, I'll go that yeah. far for the first time. Yeah, I've never seen it. You've never seen no, it. I've oh, seen it. we need to sit down and watch the Angley Hulk. No, I would like video. to actually. I think that would actually be fun. Well, yeah, that's true. Here's is the there? Thing. Hey, that's a just a quick question for the chat. Is there anything that you just have never seen? Maybe it's not even like you consciously decided it. It's like, oh yeah, I got to get around to that one because. Look, it's a lot of movies. You know, there's odds are there's something that you probably are like, oh yeah, I probably should have. Like never my wife never it. saw Doctor Strange, even though I told her like it's good. Oh, but Doctor Strange! Oh, see, Doctor great. Strange would be low on my list of rewatches really? yeah. because like it has some it, it has some fun me. moments, but like it, the more you watch that movie, the more plot holes you find in it. Uh, yeah, 
Um, because like there's the again, it comes down to the villains. Like Caecilius is a dull villain whose motivation is confusing and or just non-existent. Um, and Dormammu, that scene with Dormammu is amazing. Yeah, but like how he factors into like this whole like the the plot of the movie is like it, not as strong as it needed to be. And when you watch it again, <laughs> it is more apparent. And that's why it's like oh, maybe I'll just let the memories be there. Uh, the thing about Ang Lee's Hulk, I wanted to say, uh, you you should check it out because <laughs> it. It, look, it's not a good movie, right? But Ang Lee tries stuff in it. That's like cool. it is one of the ballsier movies in terms of like early comic book stuff, where they're like, "Well, what if we really tried to translate a comic book to the screen?" It's not always successful. It's not successful, but it's interesting. For it's just a fascinating way if you look back. Like this is what people thought because he literally puts panels on the screen. Oh, See, that sounds interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, he tries to make it feel like you're watching a comic in the way that, like, you got in Spider Verse. It just it didn't work for right. this for for the Hulk, and maybe because it was live action, it didn't mm-hmm. really translate the same way. But I imagine it's similar to why musicals don't translate as well on film as they do in the theater. Hmm. It um, says nobody should be watching musicals ever. <laughs> How dare you? Sorry. One day I will have my MCU musical. And you will watch it by yourself, and I will sit here and listen to you talk, talk about, about it. it. Oh, man, that could be a whole other topic. What would be the MCU's first musical? Oh, God. I We're talking cry. about it now. Chat, what do you want to see as the first musical you know, in the MCU? Nothing, I, I remember, And not like, Guardians. Thir- I'm talking about yeah. sing-along musical. No, I remember like 30 years ago they were uh, trying to get a uh, Captain America musical. And, no. Like, to the extent that if you have Marvel Comics from, I don't know what month, but it's for over a couple months, probably around 1989, 1990, there's a full-page ad for like, you know, I don't know how you were supposed to go find out more about auditions and things, but I don't know whatever happened to it. But that means that someone, somebody someone wrote, realized it was a terrible well, idea. Somebody wrote a Captain America musical is what that means. And so, then someone else realized amazing. it was a terrible yeah. idea. I don't mean, look, it. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark did exist. Yeah, it sure did. And I, I did pay for it. Yeah, I, I think if I had still lived in New York at that point, I probably would have made myself go. But I would have only gone for the train wreck. You know. But I'm like, talking about a, yeah. a, a musical yeah. on film. And I'm trying to think who would be the best. I think Deadpool. Deadpool the musical. That might be the only one I've watched. Because the only musical that I've ever seen that I enjoyed is The Book of Mormon. And that's not even a movie. It's a play because it's hilarious. So maybe if it was Deadpool, I'd be like, I can see Deadpool figuring out a way to make it. Red Dyson says Molecule Man the musical. I'm in. You're just going for that alliteration. There's no other reason for that to exist. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would, I 100% think you could do a Deadpool musical and it would be like, I wouldn't hate it, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, there, I I know that there was a real, uh, there's a real Superman musical from like the 50s or 60s. Like, it's an actual, you know, it's an actual thing. Uh, I don't, I don't think anything else Marvel got closer to uh, actually actually happening. Gamer Girl asked if Marvel has their own version of the Music Meister, the the DC character. Um, But, well, Marvel has uh, Arcade. Who is like putting He's, you into more like yeah. complicated battles and stuff? But he could easily shove you into a musical scenario. Right. I could see like where there's like it's American Idol and you have to sing your way out. 
kind of thing. Like, I you mean, could, you could use Mojo for that as well. I was about, that was yeah. the next thing I was saying. And then also, why not visit a Spider-Verse where everyone sings when they talk? There's literally oh, a reference God. to that in the comics. Oh, it's where, great, because I want that. Uh, there, there, there's like two Peter Parkers talking, and there's random Peter Parkers. And this is one of my favorite moments in that book, was just like, Oh, there, did you see that one? It looks like the guy from Seabiscuit. I saw one over there who looked like the dude from Social Network. That's funny. That's nothing. I ran into one Spider-Man who wouldn't stop singing show tunes. <laughs> and by the way, just a point of uh, point of order in terms of uh, factual, uh, just to put it on the record. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman was indeed a Broadway show in 1966. Wow. Nice. So, uh, you know, look, there's a precedent for it. I can't find anything about that Captain America musical, but uh, by next week, I'm going to try and find one of those ads, and uh, we'll put a screen grab on Zeno Hour, uh, you might be a, a little on the nose here, but Dazzler. Oh, well, oh please, yes. But, but she's sense. just singing in her life. I'm talking about somebody singing for well, no discernible da- reason. Dazzler she could would do be, that. Would be what they call a jukebox musical, where jukebox musical, where they take just like it'll take they'll just take a ton of songs from the seventies, yeah. and they'll like build a really flimsy show around it. But I would go see it because I love Dazzler that much. Look, you yeah. don't have to go with me, okay? I'm not Zia? going with you. you no, I'm just saying. I will go and throw popcorn at you to ruin your movie <laughs> that's, experience. That's fine. The whole time. I'm saying. I'm Stuffing just. I'm, I'm just saying out there to Disney. If you want a Deadpool musical, I have some people ready to write that music, and I will just help them translate <laughs> it into comic book insanity. Call me. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you guys for joining. So so. Closing out the conversation on the most rewatchable movies in the MCU, I think like between the chat and what we said here, it has to be Thor Ragnarok up there near mm-hmm. the. It's like Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One are the got to be the two most rewatchable films. Like I think the chat agrees with that. I think you guys and we agree. Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy. Undoubtedly, at the top. I don't think we talked about it a lot, but Avengers has to be up in that conversation. Yeah, the original Avengers. Yeah. Is, yeah, I saw in the chat, and mm-hmm. I agree. That's a that's definitely one of the ones for me. Yeah. But like, I'm willing to accept that Ant Man of the Wasp may not be up there for everybody. That's me personally. But it like Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just like they're fun, and that's really what comes down to you. for something you want rewatchable anytime. It's got to be fun. It's got to be silly, and that's what those two have in spades. And we'll see what happens when we get Guardians three and. Thor 4. Thor Love and Thunder. That might be a one-time-only film. We'll see. Before we close (laughs) out, uh, I want to quickly jump over and do... We were talking a lot about movies, but we got to talk a little bit about TV. Let's jump over to TV time. Movie news. We're talking TV And if you want more Marvel TV than we have time for today, make sure that you tune in on Sundays or just stay in your podcast feed app if you're listening to this for Marvel TV Weekly with Christian Zia. I pop in there when I can. Uh, Sundays are always a complicated time. Right. And, and this Sunday, we're actually going to have, I believe, my entire co-panelists, all three of the other panelists from the Legion After Show because we want to keep talking about the show and Zia will be there with us and we're going to spend a, an entire hour just talking Talking about the Legion finale. Spoiler free, I enjoyed the finale. Um, I did too. It wasn't perfect. Um, I think it, it it did. It's one of those finales. Finale, TV finales are always difficult. This yeah. one was the logical finale. Like this, all it, it was clean. It made sense. It wasn't. It didn't blow me away. But it, like, if you go, if I went through and was like, 
Well, yeah, that was how it should have happened. If that's what it is, it should have had. That's it ended how it was supposed to. It didn't necessarily blow me away. No, okay. and I think there was something uh, bigger that maybe some of us might have expected or hoped to see. But what it didn't do is the thing that I said on this show, on Marvel TV Weekly and the Legion After Show, that if they had done it, I would have been furious that I'd oh. wasted three years of my life. <laughs> yeah. Where it's David sitting in a hospital and back in the pilot, and he imagined the whole thing. Because Thank God. there were little clues along the way that they could have been doing that. And uh, the fascination with Pink Floyd was one of them, by the way. <laughs> so, which yeah, maybe you saw in that episode as well. But uh, I I thought it was a, it was a good ending. Uh, you know, it, was it the greatest uh, TV series finale? No. But it could have it gone really wrong. I mean, and look, I think it was good. We were talking about musicals. Legion was like almost a musical yeah. half the time. Like, yeah. it had a rap battle this year with your main Clement. That was so good. The whole series. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I absolutely no, the, freaking love that. Yeah, I didn't Did, like the episode with the rap battle, but the rap battle was so great. Oh my I actually God. thought that episode was fascinating because it was like I'm just again, it's just like the balls yeah. to do something to take an entire episode and go into another yeah. world, and we're trying to keep it vague. Yeah, but one of the episodes this season, like where right. they like, it and it was, was at a point what? in the season when they only had four episodes left, and they took that little detour. Uh, and uh, I know you yeah. weren't happy about that. I wasn't happy about that because there were so few episodes right. left. I think there had been three or four more. I would have been able to enjoy it more. But to think back on it, I mean, some of it was very cool, and it did a good job setting up the uh, series finale. Yeah. But. And- and, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and so that's Legion. Again, tune into Marvel TV Weekly for a lot, a huge, big discussion on that finale. And that's going to um, be all the spoilers, so you have until Sunday to watch it if you haven't. Yes. Um, real quick, I did want to mention uh, Jeff Loeb was talking to uh, a couple outlets this week about like Marvel TV's place in the, in the market now that did Marvel Studios, and reminder, those are two distinct entities. Sure. Um, are like Marvel Studios is doing TV series now with Disney Plus, and Jeff Loeb was like remind that the, the Marvel TV still has a ton of stuff coming up, like where you've got Hellstrom, Ghost Rider, all the animated stuff on Hulu. But he also dropped that he is going to be working. Marvel TV is going to be doing stuff for Disney Plus, which was the first time anybody had heard about that. Um, and he didn't give any specifics. He didn't say what's coming up. Uh, but what do you guys think of? Marvel TV. Do you think we're going to get... This is the question. Do you think we're going to get a more harmonious existence between the two sides of Marvel? Honestly, yes. It seems like that's sort of what they're building towards anyway. Now that... that I mean, besides the fact that it's more money for them and they get all these other properties, but the fact that, that uh, Disney now has Sony and it has all of those properties that it can use. I mean, it's really... They're just tightening their world more and more with the movie side. Why wouldn't they then do it with the TV side as well? And just you mean sort of Fox, Fox, right? Thank yeah. you. Sorry, yeah. just want to make sure Sony? that we're all. In the, yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you. Yes, Fox, not Sony. Um, so There's only I think three that, entities that own everything. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so I think that doing that on the TV side just makes sense to make it more of a coexistent world. And I think that for fans too, it would be exciting. Like, oh my god, all of these things intersect in some way or another, or at least are mentioned or tied in. I would personally like that. 
The, yeah, I think uh, yeah. by announcing every uh, all the Disney Plus shows as part of Phase Four, it you'll you you'll definitely see kind of uh, you know like a synergy a way that we look we haven't had. We can very well disc- uh, discard pretty much everything. Like if they want to, they'd be like, "Yeah, Agents of Shield never happened. The Netflix shows never happened. They, they can definitely do that. They could do a Star Wars expanded universe yeah. style drop, and I'm a big defender of that decision. It mm-hmm. made a lot of sense. Um, it's not quite as massive because they have been careful to separate themselves, but yeah. you could decide to take everything that's not Marvel Studios and exercise it from the canon. Uh, it's possible, but I hope they don't. I hope that they find a way. Maybe we can just, like, I know that there's been a lot of discussion. There's even been boycott talks this week, which we don't, we're not going to get into, but uh, maybe they can just be like, hey, Ike, kick! And then <laughs> uh, let Jeff Loeb and Kevin Feige play in the same sandbox again. That'd be nice. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you guys, let us know. See if you... Do you disagree with us? Is there some movie that we didn't talk about today that is actually the most rewatchable Marvel movie of all time? Put it in the comments below or send it to us on Twitter. We want to know your thoughts. We want to know what you guys are looking forward to most. What you're going to... What's going to... What are you going to pop in? As soon as you finish rewatching Endgame for the 80th time, what's next on your rewatch list? So... Send it to us. You can hit us on Twitter at Marvel News PTN. Be sure to follow the Popcorn Talk at the Popcorn Talk. And like us on YouTube. Rate, subscribe on iTunes, wherever you happen to be listening to us. Podbean, wherever. Thank you for watching so much. I'm Zach Wilson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson. I would also love to invite you to check out my other weird comedy shipping podcast, Ships in the Night, where we just take random characters from different universes and write their love stories. This week we did Walter White and Dr. Fraser Crane, because yes. we're weird. And baby, I hear those that blew a Colin. <laughs> That's called Ships in the Night. Zia. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zia underscore land. That's X-I-A underscore land. You can also check me out on another show that I do besides Marvel TV Weekly with Christian. It's, uh, it's Eric Nagel. That goes up, I believe, Friday mornings. You can find that pretty much uh, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts or shows. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ, and I'm going to take one minute to uh, tie up. Yes, there was an ad that appeared in Marvel Comics in 1985 that put out a cattle call for a girl aged 10 to 14 to play Captain America's very special friend. You know, that character we all know from the comic books, who, of course, didn't exist. The This musical had a $4 million budget, and Cap's enemy was going to be his own midlife crisis. So can we be glad that this never happened? But I want it. I want to read it. Uh, Wow. But uh, in any case, so uh, you can find out more about that. Was her name Becky Barnes? It doesn't say anything about who the character was. But uh, yeah. Who else could it be? I don't know. That sounds terrible. (laughs) In any case, uh, yeah, his girlfriend was a candidate for president. There's so many things. Google this. We might have to do a whole show on it. I would vote for Peggy Carter for president, for the record. Christian, please plug yourself, and then we're going to get out of here. DMZ, Twitter, and Instagram. And I have my own personal podcast, The Blackcast. You can find B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot com. All right, guys. This has been Marvel Movie News. Thank you so much to Ryan in the booth. Thank you to you for watching. And thank you for geeking out with us. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.